Hello, welcome, welcome to the Murderversary. Welcome to Murderversary, the second official episode. Murderversary, the second show. Murderversary, take two. Yes. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. How's your week been so far? Week's been pretty good. Pretty good. Learning that desert weather blows around a lot of allergens that yes. like to give Agatha hives all over her body. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, no. no. Don't mm -hmm. like it, but it's happening. Not about that. No. Okay. Gonna take care of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm working yes. on it. How about okay. you? Anything Sorry. uh anything interesting? You know what? I went to uh, Seas Candy and I got myself some chocolate. Oh. And it's been pretty fucking great, let me tell you. Did you get me a C's vanilla lollipop, perchance, in the weird square oh shape that fits in your you mouth and those, gets stuck to the you, roof? You like those lollipops? I love like them. Mouth murderers. I, they just like... I love them. Pop up your mouth. I don't care. It can shred the top of my mouth. I don't mind feeling like it's running my tongue through a car wash after with all the little things that are hanging down from the top. I love them. Absolutely. Flavor, 10 out of 10. Shape and texture, 0 out of 10. What you can do, let me tell you, if you put that baby into a little plastic bag, hit it with a rolling pin, those ones break oh. up into individually sized sucker treats. You can put them in your mouth. They don't destroy you. But if I don't have that, I will murder my mouth. I will murder <laughs> my mouth with that piece of candy. <laughs> well, that's a life hack if I've ever heard it, and I'm definitely going to try that from now on. Well, I've had, do you know what I started doing? I started perusing Etsy again. I love Etsy. I love handmade things. I just made my third purchase on Etsy like three days ago. It's so funny that you say that. Yeah, I'm I'm obsessed. I just bought, mom, don't listen to this. I just bought my mother a hand-carved chessboard for Christmas, which oh my God. I'm super excited lovely. about. Yeah, my brother and I kind of went in halfsies because apparently, you know, we got we got to pay for the craft. Before I checked out, I decided, hey, what if I typed in true crime into Etsy? And boy, oh boy, was I pleasantly surprised. You oh, are, I bet. You are going to have to resend me your address because, believe you me, we'll be wearing some of this stuff. But I found these earrings that were magnifying glasses that had Aww. a little bit of like blood spatter on them. And all of this true crime related coffee cups and t-shirts and like wine and murder and i'm like i need those i think one of my favorite coffee cups i've ever seen is one that says something like this is actually luminol oh that's fantastic <laughs> yes it's it's great there's one shirt and it made me laugh so hard it said if at first you don't succeed it's only attempted murder oh <laughs> That's terrible and was, great at the same time. I was like, I like that, but I'm never going to wear that in public. So no. I will just I will just look at it here. I just purchased um, some of those. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like Converse that have little hand embroidery on them. Yes, I have. I just finally broke down and bought some of those because I've been looking at them for probably over a year. And I'm really, really excited about it. Nice. I feel yeah. like... 80% of the time that I've gotten things off Etsy, they've been absolutely amazing. And then the other 20%, I'm like, what bootleg company put up this picture and gave oh, yeah. me this product? But for the yeah. most part, it is it is very good. When you get an item that someone put passion into in making, it just 
it just feels it better it shows it yeah shows. it definitely yeah, does for sure by the way just wanted to update you i talked to my mother i've been so interested in seeing what the life and in- the life insurance policy stuff is so Ooh, i asked yeah. my mom what the common time frame is for like because my mom sold health insurance my dad sold life insurance so they're pretty much experts she said Mm -hmm. that if you have all of your ducks in a row with any sort of natural passing where you have the death certificate you should be able to get life insurance money within a month so that's kind of the minimum time that it is to get Mm. money so if you are someone that's really struggling with money i would see you putting it into action or trying to put it into action within those first few weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. That makes sense. I, but I'm sure a good majority of those cases are like people that they kind of saw the thing coming. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe sudden natural death. Yeah, not murder. Not you murder. murder. Murder of your spouse. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. Got it. Glad we cleared that up. (laughs) So today's a super bummer episode. To be fair, all murder is a bummer. Yeah. Um, This one's like, starts out rough, gets, it's like stays rough. It's just, it's bad the whole time. And I'm sorry ahead of time. Apology accepted. Okay, great. Let's Let's go. Warning, this episode may contain discussions that are not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Have you heard this one? You haven't? I've not, no. Okay, great. All right. Richard Chase was a native of Sacramento, California and grew up in a very troubled home. So fair warning, this starts out shitty and doesn't get any better the entire time. Um, By the age of five, he was found frequently setting fires, wetting the bed, and being abusive to animals, which many people know that the presence of these traits in adolescence is a precursor for violent behavior. And I think it was kind of a little bit debunked that this was like the sign that you were going to turn into a serial killer. It was more so the sign that you were in an abusive household. I feel like it's very rare that I've heard, though, a story of someone who is a serial killer or even just involved in a murder or committing a crime like that, that hasn't had some sort of abuse or like head trauma or bedwetting or something. Like they're so common to hear about those. That's Mm -hmm. like a thing, right? A lot of times it's like when Danny was six, he fell off the sled and hit his head. And that must've been what threw him into a tissy. Like, and I don't know if it's the truth of it or not, but it seems like those things always kind of come up. And when something doesn't come up, it's like, it's rare. And people mention it's rare. Yeah. If you didn't come it's from like, an abusive wait. household or, or something, people are like, wow. And you still Where did, did this? this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something weird going on, like something deep, deep in that side of that person. If they don't have some sort of past trauma, physical, abusive, whatever. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, this guy was no different. I mean, he was dealing with an abusive father and kind of a shitty mom dealing with that as time progressed he grew up and became a hypochondriac to an extreme degree and had some pretty out there theories about the state of his physical body i'm sorry i'm laughing because it's just i'm uncomfortable so some of those included that he believed his heart would occasionally stop beating or someone had stolen his pulmonary artery so someone's just gonna (laughs) 
he's walking down the street, you know, just just like walking to school or something. And someone sneaks up behind him and just like steals a heart valve. Who knows? I think it all makes sense later when I tell you about what he kind of thought was happening okay. in his mind. But anyway, moving on. So he believed his blood was turning to powder from someone poisoning him. He believed that he could hold oranges on his head and absorb the vitamin C from the oranges via diffusion. Which just there's so many things wrong with that, but we'll we'll keep going. All right. <laughs> he also believed that his cranial bones had become separated and were moving around, so he shaved his head in order to watch it happen. That's so he basically thought he was turning back into like a baby skull. I I've envisioned Pangea like breaking into the continents. <laughs> And that's kind of like how I, I beat that. So, Ma'am, would you like to look at my head? It's like the tectonic plates. Yes. Oh, look, there goes Africa. Oh, shit, yes. an earthquake. <laughs> His eyes just shake a little bit. Yeah. Better rub some oranges on it quickly. Oh, God. Pretty soon into his teen years, instead of dealing with all of these things, like seeing a psychiatrist, talking to a doctor, mm-hmm. saying, hey, man, my cranial plates are moving. Can you give me some something for that? He decided to medicate with weed, alcohol, and LSD. The common medications. Yeah, (laughs) right? I can't think of a better thing to take when you think that your head is tectonic plates. LSD is difficult enough to navigate with a relatively sound mind. So if you're thinking some of the things he was thinking, I'm sure that would seriously alter reality even further. Does it say anywhere if he went to see doctors or not about his missing heart valve and his powdered blood? I'm sure that if he did, I did not personally read any of that, but I'm sure that if he did, those doctors would go, no, that's not happening. Right. And then he'd probably think that they were part of it. He's in his late teens. He eventually moves out of his mom's house because he thinks that his mom's trying to poison him. And he moves in with some quote unquote friends. I love my quote unquote friends. Well, because I think what happened was he told people that this, these people were his friends, but he didn't actually know them all that well. Okay, so it was just kind of like a roommate situation. and Right. And it did not go over well. So they constantly complained about how he was really fucking weird. And he was always under the influence of alcohol, weed, or LSD. Mm-hmm. And would walk around the apartment naked often, including in front of company. So they were very, uncom- like, wildly uncomfortable all the time. And so eventually they're like, bro, you got to go. You got to move out. And he basically refused. And so they they just all moved out. They're like, all right, fine. Bye. Enjoy your time alone. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would do the same thing. I get completely embarrassed when it's three in the morning and I'm only wearing a T-shirt and underwear and I have to run to the bathroom with roommates and no one sees me. I would safely say that the second time that it happened, I'd be out of there. Yeah. Like first time. okay, you get a pass. We haven't set this boundary yet because usually you don't need to set this kind of boundary with roommates. It's just kind of like an unspoken thing that you don't walk around naked. But I set the boundary, say, don't ever do that again. And then you do it again, probably that day or the next day. I'm out. If it was in front of company, though, and I didn't have my name signed to that lease where I had to pay two grand to get out of it, I'd be out after the first time. Hey, Danny, want to come over? And you're like, yeah, sure. And we're sitting on the couch. We're watching old school Cinderella, right? Just pretending we're princesses, too. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, just some some guy and his floppy man meat come walking across. I would be out. I would be out. I would be like, listen, this sleep is so embarrassed. <laughs> this sleepover is going to be at your house. I'm so sorry about that. Um, yeah. And also it's be a permanent sleepover. Can I bring my I'm cat leaving. and all yeah. of my belongings? Yeah. Can't yeah. Pass by. Now Richard's living alone. 
He's got some serious mental issues. He's frequently taking LSD, weed, alcohol. And so he's able to dabble a little bit further into his hobbies, which include rounding up all the neighborhood cats and dogs and animals and killing them in his apartment and then consuming the raw meat. And after that doesn't satisfy him, he decides to start blending the raw meat with some Coca-Cola in a blender and drinking it like a Jamba Juice smoothie. Oh, that's disgusting. And all of this was because he thought his heart was shrinking and that consuming animal blood would stop the heart from shrinking. No. I'm sorry. It doesn't, sorry. by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it does not. It does not do that. Shrinking. In 1976, he's been living alone for a short period of time and he's involuntary committed because he ends up in the hospital for injecting rabbit's blood into his veins and subsequently getting blood poisoning from that. Side note, don't fucking do this. You will die. Yeah. You will absolutely die. The staff there at the institution that he was institutionalized at were absolutely terrified of him and nicknamed him Dracula because of his weird fixation with blood. While there, he somehow managed to catch birds, kill them, and then drink their blood. And he also somehow managed to extract blood from therapy dogs with stolen syringes, which I have so many questions about. No, wait, For no. Why? Why the why the fuck would you let this man around an animal? Let's break this down for a second. It's impressive he was able to catch birds. How does how did he catch a bird? Okay, true. Two. It's impressive that he was able to kill the bird and like consume the blood in a place that you can't have shoelaces. It was impressive that he was yes around therapy dogs. I mean, thank God he didn't kill the dogs, but how did he get access to needles? How did he have the time and space and aloneness to extract the blood with the needle? What year I was this again? 76. Because I'm wondering, was 76 still when they hadn't really brought institutions up to the level they are now? Because I know oh, I'm around sure. that time, I believe even if you had Down syndrome, a lot of people were in institutions because of that still at that time. Mm -hmm. workers they were overworked hospital staff and doctors and whatnot because it is insane to think that he could one go outside mm -hmm. where he and could catch a bird, a bird unless, several birds not just yeah. one, several because you wouldn't think he wouldn't have a window that could open where you could like set a little trap or something you wouldn't I mean, think but who knows I don't, who knows I don't know i feel like the, the kind of the baseline if, if you're in the 70s and you're setting up a facility to house people who need mental health care i think one of the first like benchmarks that you set is that you don't leave syringes lying around where the patients can grab them or sharp objects of any kind right yeah yeah i feel like that's kind of like foundational ruling right there also how upset would you be if you had a therapy dog and you took that dog to go visit patients, which is amazing and bless people's hearts for doing that mm -hmm. and educating themselves and training dogs to help people emotionally and mentally. But nobody told you that the guy who's cuddling with your dog right now likes to blend them up and drink them. Yeah. And is going to inject their blood in himself. That I would be so, so pissed. Some people just don't deserve pets the love no. from animals no so while in the facility he underwent a series of treatments and was administered drugs on the regular and 
I'm sure it's to no surprise, he was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic and told people that he was consuming his animal blood because he believed, like I said before, that someone was poisoning him and turning his blood to powder. But he eventually was just released, deemed no longer a danger to society, despite all of that general creepiness. <laughs> Stab dogs. Stab dogs, but you're okay. Yeah. You're okay. So later that year, he was released to his mother's custody, who ended up deciding it'd be a good idea to wean him off his medication and put up the money to get him his own apartment. Brilliant, right? Maybe this mental stuff runs in the family. Maybe. Maybe we have an enabler. That's an awful idea. That is an awful yeah. idea. I mean, I get wanting your kids to be independent, but anyhow. You can be independent and still take your medication. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. lot of people do it. I do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So he's having a grand old time in this fancy new apartment with a clean bill of health from the psych ward. And he spends his days doing, you know, super normal things like killing pets in the neighborhood and getting back on his Coca-Cola blood smoothie and raw meat diet super awesome like totally unfettered to just do whatever the hell he wants just like free reign to go go nuts but you know to fully round out his hobbies he developed a fascination with firearms and purchased several handguns let's just, just add to it. it i mean we all see where this is going yeah yeah gotta love it since he was spending so much time doing this problematic shit, he decided that his personal hygiene just wasn't a priority any longer and didn't, you know, shower, wash his hair, comb his hair, brush his teeth, eat human food, you know, socialize, any of that stuff. All, all gone, right? He must have so, been rank. Oh, yeah. And because he was pretty much predominantly only consuming animal meat, he got down to about 145 pounds. So he was... Super gangly, smelly, gross looking. You know, his eyes were sunken in. It was just, it was all bad. And this wasn't like a secret. Like he wasn't cutting everyone out. It was like he didn't have friends or girlfriends at this point or anything like that. But his mom would still visit him, right? And so she knew what was going on to a degree. She saw the state he was in. And it's been said that she would show up and he'd smeared blood on his face and scream at her. And she'd like just calmly be like, Oh, Richard, and walk into the house, you know, didn't tell anyone, didn't alert anyone, didn't call up the institution that he was at and be like, hey, I weaned him off. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. He just smeared blood of this place and screamed at me like, help. Nope. Just kind of like went on with her life. That's such an insane thing to ignore. Yes, I completely agree. I know that mothers protect their children, but mm -hmm. there's a limit. There is a limit. Smearing blood on your face is the limit. Mm -hmm. We hit it. Yes, this is beyond the limit. We have a line and you've stepped over it and then jumped a few more steps and then went and down then the line water slide. So in August of 1977, Nevada police found Richard near Pyramid Lake, which is kind of close to Lake Tahoe in Nevada, naked and covered head to toe in blood and screaming on the beach. This is like kind of his thing, right? covered in blood screaming nearby in his car he had two rifles a bucket of blood and a liver inside the bucket as well and so when the police go up to him I'm like uh what are you doing dude he was like oh well this is my blood on me like i cut myself and i'm just like you know probably told him that he was having a cathartic moment like just living his life like it's fine i'm just screaming it's fine i'm just on the beach they're like mm, why don't you uh chill out and we'll take a look at this bucket of blood you've got here and Later on, they find out that it's just cow's blood. 
So they let him go, sent him on his way. And I just, I don't understand how so many times this person could just be passed over at this point. But is there any crime that would be involved with, I guess not really, having cow's blood and a liver and smearing it on yourself? I guess public disturbance would be something. I think being naked on the beach is probably the one. Oh, crime he was naked. Here. Did I miss that? He was naked, like no, fully he was nude. Naked. Like full on, his clothing was blood. Like okay, he was yeah, full naked, no. like dumped blood on him, like, well, you know, screaming on the beach. As a police officer, you should have had him voluntarily committed. I just don't think that that's like common day occurrence that people feel the need to do that. And I think that maybe that should be looked into a little bit. Especially in 19, what did you say, 1976 around that time? or 77, yeah. 77, yeah. Yeah. The cops get into the I car think- after and they're just like, man, Bob, he was crazy. Can't wait to retell this story at the bar later. Right. You know those guns I mentioned earlier? Yes. Well, he loved to practice with them, just go out shooting stuff. But he one day just decided to start shooting those randomly at human beings. In December of that same year that he was found on the beach, only a few months later, he fired a 22 caliber handgun into the home of a Sacramento woman. Thankfully not hitting anyone, but she called the police and was like, uh, I just got shot at. They came and dug the slug out of her kitchen wall. And there's a couple of other stories that people were like, oh, yeah, he shot at me, too. Thankfully, he was terrible aim and didn't hit me. Two days later, after shooting in that kitchen, he killed his first known victim in a drive-by shooting. It was a man named Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old engineer and father of two, who was simply helping his wife bring groceries into the house from the car. Just drove by, pop-pop, shot him dead. That's like the worst wrong place, wrong time situation. Yeah. It's just so stupid. Not that anyone just, deserves any type of aggression or crime to be committed towards them. But no. when you're just, when it is so random like that and it's, mm-hmm. oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So two weeks later, he attempted to enter the home of a woman, but because her doors were locked, he walked away. He kind of viewed locked doors that he was assigned that he was not welcome, but unlocked doors weren't if he shouldn't come inside. So tying back into the whole vampire thing, you have to invite a vampire inside before they can come into your home kind of thing. So if he was going around homes, checking all the doors, locked meant he didn't go in. Unlocked meant he'd go in. He was breaking into a number of homes, usually just like ransacking things and stealing valuables. Mm-hmm. And then on occasion, he would sometimes pee and poop on their stuff if he felt like doing that. Why? What? At this point, why is he doing any of this? Yeah, it, it's really it's hard to make sense of it, to be honest. Yeah. Everything just seems so random. So random. Yeah. And weird. And just... Very weird. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about him feeling like he's being poisoned, why is he doing all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's something going on. So January of 1978, he's been breaking into houses for about a month now. He breaks into the house of Teresa Wallen, shoots her three times, point blank with the same gun. Same gun he used to shoot Ambrose, same guns he's been using to just drive by shoot people. He kills her, and then he assaults her body and stabs her. And then he decides to remove multiple organs and drink her blood. Oh. And then he just leaves. He just leaves her there. So he really, he just does not give a shit. No. Don't worry, it gets worse. Okay, so four days later, he enters the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Myroff, 
while her friend Danny is visiting. And then she also has a six-year-old son named Jason. And then her one-year-old nephew, uh, almost two-year-old nephew named David is also there playing with Jason. He goes into the house. He basically shoots all four of them. And then much like the last victim, he assaults and consumes part of Evelyn's body. And then while he's doing this, someone comes to the door and knocks because they were showing up for a play date. Freaks him out. He panics. He runs. He takes the one-year-old's body with him. And while he's leaving, he leaves perfectly formed handprints and shoe prints in the blood left behind. So cops show up. They discover this horrible thing. And they get the FBI involved because at this point, it's super messed up. So the FBI joined the investigation and they send out a profile stating that the killer would be tall, malnourished, a loner, and physically unclean. Which, I mean, I don't get how they have all of that information, but it's pretty awesome that they do, that they're able to, like, form this, right? Yeah. Well, have you watched Mindhunters? I have. So, because that kind of talks about, it's the whole story of where profiling kind of came from. And it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Just the minds behind it are yeah beautiful like it's it's yeah Yeah, it's crazy just to go back on one point quickly i remember growing up and i lived in a smaller town and i would say early 90s like mid 90s we would never lock our door we were never supervised by adults Mm -mm. it was like okay have fun go out be home by dinner street like yeah when the street lights come on it's like we used to walk to the corner store, which was not a corner around from the house. It was like down six streets, probably a mile and a half walk. And mm-hmm. we'd go and get candy and then walk all the way back by ourselves, like a 12 year old and an 11 year old. Yeah. Never today. Never I mean, today. I, rem- I remember being followed as a child because I was riding my bike back from my friend's house who lived literally two streets away from me. And I'd cut through like this uh, retirement center home in their parking lot. And someone was ping-ponging back and forth the two entrances to the parking lot. When he saw me the first time, I was like, I stopped my bike, had some gut instinct, turned around and went to another exit. And he was there and he was like going back and forth. So I ended up having to jump a fence and like throwing my bike over a fence. Thank God you easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. It was wild back then. Yeah. It's crazy how much safer we felt, though. For for some reason. No reason, really. No, No care in the world. Yeah. And especially since in the 70s, I feel like this was kind of before Dahmer and Zodiac. This was in that weird period of time where it was just like the serial killer era. Like you'd have in all the big cities, especially you would have one, two, even maybe three serial killers at the Mm -hmm. same time. Just kind of what was Mm -hmm. it about like the 70s, early 80s? I think it was just people started reporting on it and making it known, maybe. I honestly don't know, but it was definitely like people were going wild back then about it. I'm sure there's stuff that still goes on now that we don't know about that we'll eventually know oh, about, yeah. but it things were just rampant back then. It was also harder to catch people because yeah. you didn't have the DNA technology, technology yeah. that we have now and all mm-hmm. of the other resources. Yeah. Yeah. Different times for sure. Yeah. About this time, so the FBI leaks this profile saying, hey, look out for this guy. We think this is who it is. Shortly before or after that time, right around like within the days following or preceding that, Richard's at a shopping center in Sacramento and approaches a woman that he went to high school with. And 
She noticed that his eyes are sunken in. He's extremely thin. He's got blood stains on his sweatshirt. He's just generally creepy and her alarm bells go off. And so she's like, I'm getting out of here. He walks up to her car and knocks on the window. She's like, fuck no, and just bolts it, right? And so she sees this profile and was like, hey, you might want to look into this guy. His name's Richard Chase. I went to high school with him. And so they look into him and they discover that he resides within a mile of most of the murder sites. So after staking out his apartment, they take him into custody. And so I've heard a couple of stories on how this went down. And it's either that... They had some sort of evidence linking him to it, and so they had probable cause to arrest him. Or they approach his apartment and are like, hey, man, we want to talk to you. And he's just not about it. And so he shuts the door. He's like, no, no, I'm cool. And within a couple of hours, they're just like sitting out there watching him. And he walks out of the apartment with a bloody box, like a, a little cardboard box that's like got bloodstains on it. And inside the box is just like a bunch of random murder shit, but it has the gun that was used in like all of these murders. So not the brightest tool in the shed, right? Dumb criminal. So he, yeah. Shocker. So he gets arrested and they go back into his apartment and they discover, you know, like a 12 inch butcher's knife, rubber boots, animal collars. But they also discover three blenders containing blood and like rotting flesh from animals and all that stuff. They find dishes Inside his refrigerator containing body parts like pre-Dahmer, Dahmer status. There was also just blood everywhere. All over the walls, the floor, the ceiling, all over the utensils, cups, plates, everywhere. Blood. We're talking the shining walls, right? I wonder how nobody... Maybe they did hear something, but from what it seems like, how did nobody hear anything going on in that apartment? How did nobody smell anything going on in that apartment? Blood has a very distinct smell. Also, death and rotting flesh also had a very distinct smell. Yeah. Because he didn't bring any people back to his apartment that we know of. Well, he brought the body of the one-year-old from the last murder where he dipped out and left okay. and handprints. And then he did some stuff in the apartment that I won't get into with the body yep. and then ended up dumping it later on down the road. That was the only one that I think he actually brought back. But otherwise, no, all the other murders that he had done with humans had been spur of the moment, just going out, knock, like checking locked doors, and then going in wherever there was an unlocked door. Let me tell you that the first time I heard this story, literally every day since then, I lock my doors because I think of this fucking guy. I lock my front door. I also lock my bedroom door when I go to bed because if they get past the front door, mm-hmm. I have a second line of defense. Mm-hmm. And in every place that I've lived, I will never have my room be the one that's the closest to the door. No so I'm way. always the furthest one in the back because at least you would think he's not like someone's not going to come into your house and go right to the back right away. They're going to say like, oh, here's the door. Let me check in here. So while they're doing whatever they are to whoever's in there, I could just like scoot on out. You know, not that that's not bad, mm-hmm. but, you know, got to look out yeah. for got to look out for me. Yeah. But also I've read a ton. So one of my irrational fears is house fires. And they say that if you sleep with the doors closed and your house gets set on fire, that you are so much more protected because of that door closed because the fire won't immediately enter your room and like make you pass out from the smoke and then you'll die in your bed. You're more likely to wake up from the fire and still be able to escape because your door is shut. I learned from my parents too. I keep like an escape ladder. We have them in the closets and all of the closets that you can just hang out the window. We all have windows mm-hmm. in our room. So that's a nice little, nice little Super touch. Smart. Yeah. 
So anyway, back to this creepy guy. Later in 1979, he stand trial on six counts of murder. He initially pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, but was deemed legally insane at the time he was committed or at the time he committed the murders. In order to avoid the death penalty, the defense tried to have him found guilty of second degree murder, which result in a life sentence. Their case hinged on Richard's history of mental illness and the suggestion that his crimes were not premeditated. But shortly afterward, into the trial, the jury found him guilty on all six counts of first degree murder and rejected the argument that he was not guilty by the reason of insanity sentenced him to die in the gas chamber and that was that i always have mixed feelings about insanity please because you're still guilty you still did it just because you're crazy and you you have something going on mentally doesn't mean that you did not commit these heinous acts Mm -hmm. just absolutely destroy lives because in this case i would say yes he's absolutely insane Mm-hmm. And if he's shooting people randomly, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it's not premeditated. Because usually premeditated means that you know exactly what you're doing. It's not a random go knock on a door type of thing. But still, any time that someone is found not guilty due to insanity, I get that usually at that point they have to live out the rest of their life in a mental institution. But to me, that's not a punishment. To me, that's you're trying to help this person. Maybe I'm kind of conflicted, right? Diagnosed as insane. You're trying to reform someone in a mental institution. I don't know. But how much, especially in America, how much do those two places really reform people? Barely ever. Yeah. I mean, that's a much, much larger discussion, but I kind of get what you're saying. I think that it's so often used as just kind of like a way to lessen a conviction it's a sleazy or... lawyer move it's a sleazy lawyer yeah, move. yeah that's a great way to put it i think it's it's way too overused with this one in particular it's hard because he was institutionalized he was provided with medication he was diagnosed with a serious mental illness and instead of pursuing the road that i'm sure that the institution set out for him like hey take your medication maybe get some therapy keep going with this he kind of went the wrong way in every way and just barreled down that road as fast as possible. His mother knowingly took him off of his medication. That was his one, basically the biggest thing that was helping him get better after he spent this time in an institution was this medication. I can't even imagine having your your parental figure, right? Whether you're from an abusive home or not, there is such a connection that people usually have to their to adults, to their parental units. And if, mm-hmm. if your mom is telling you, don't take those and this, I don't know, that one's a little... But on the other hand, he thought his mom was poisoning him. I think we're, we're both trying to understand his frame of mind and we couldn't possibly because we're not paranoid schizophrenics. Because he is fucked up. Yeah, he's got some problems. Some stuff sure. going on in the noggin that we are yeah. never going to understand. So much so that while in prison, nice little segue back to the story, the inmates were so afraid of him that they kept as much distance as they could. And tried to convince him at any point in time that they possibly could to tell him to kill himself. Like tried to convince him to kill himself because they feared him so bad. I wonder what scared them so much. They probably heard about the fact that he was killing animals and drinking their blood and then murdering a bunch of people and drinking their blood. I mean, where gets around from what I've heard. From what I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) The prison game of telephone. You do eventually. You do eventually get it. While in prison, he granted a series of interviews during which he spoke of his fears of Nazis and UFOs. 
plot twist claiming that although he had killed it was not his fault he had been forced to kill to keep himself alive which he believed any person would do he asked the interviewer to give him access to a radar gun which which he could apprehend the nazi ufos so that the nazis could stand trial for their murders <laughs> a radar gun like he's yes. checking the ufo speed like damn you're going fast he's like there it is right there oh shit Unhumanly you, speed, that's that's it. You don't see anything, but you just see like yes. light years of speed show up. <laughs> yeah. He kept on with the whole I'm being poisoned and my blood's turning to powder because of it. And at one point during one of the interviews, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a handful of macaroni and cheese and he handed it over to the interviewer and was like, Hey, I'm being poisoned. Can you test this mac and cheese, please? I'm pretty sure this mac and cheese is poisoned. He straight up pulled a Napoleon dynamite. Just yes, pulling food out of his pocket. In his pocket, fistful of mac and cheese slapped on the table like, yo, test us. Did they take um, it? Hell no. Okay. No, they're like, uh, no. Okay. I don't think the Nazis are coming into this prison and poisoning your mac and cheese that you have in your pocket. I don't know. Anything's possible. Anyway. So December 26, 1980. This was a year after he was found guilty. Well, not a full year, uh, close to a year. He was found dead in his prison cell. He was being prescribed uh, like anti-anxiety meds in prison, but instead of taking them, he was just like scrolling them away. And so eventually once he had enough to be a lethal dose, he just ate them all and died from an overdose of that in his prison cell. Jeez. And that's the story of Richard Chase. I'm processing. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. He, so how, how long did he spend in jail before he ended up committing suicide? He, I think, was in jail for about a year or less than a year. Okay. I'm surprised that he lasted that long. Of course, people may have been scared of the things that he did and, like, the kind of person he was in this whole vampire thing. But I would think with that, you would get the shit beat out of you. Like, if you went in there and you're like, oh, oh I'm a vampire. No, well, not like, not like the Count, but... Like... Oh, don't be the Count to this. <laughs> If you walked into prison and you're like a blood drinker, especially having a crime against a child, you know, I'm surprised that people didn't try and get to him first. But you have to imagine that this guy is a convicted murderer, diagnosed schizophrenic, and he's gangly and like creepy looking and probably doesn't really give a fuck if you want to you know mess with them he's gonna probably bite you and try to drink your blood true but bubba who's six seven has been there for the past 25 years has seven shanks that he made out of kitchen forks and very hardened pasta right he, he got his tray took the pasta let it dry somehow shaved it down by like scraping it against the floor like it's some sort of candy cane right i'm sure he could probably do a little bit of damage to the 140 pound and then increase his sentence for the for what you know this guy I'm true sure, that's I'm true sure, that's I mean, true this is this is all speculation at this point but i'm sure if i were richard chase in prison i would not really care at that point if i died i'm already being poisoned by nazis and ufos he also thought he was dying since he was yeah. a kid when someone I, stole already, his heart valve yeah i'm already short a heart valve like i'm already in prison i can't you know go out and do my usual things my usual activities i'm sure he didn't really care you know if he lived or died and maybe some of the most dangerous people are those who don't care if they live or die. Uh, lock your doors. Lock your fucking doors, please. And yeah. then lock all the rest of the doors just for, yes. for safety. 
And if you see someone covered in blood, maybe report it. Tell someone. Yeah. It's a lot to process. Like the oranges on the head and the cranial bones moving and like the pulmonary artery just like popping out of his chest. And that, I don't know what it is about that. Nazis. It's just like a grab bag of everything. I might try though and see how fast a UFO goes. Oh yeah. If you find a radar garden for cheap, just send it my way. I'll do the same thing. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll let you know. Notes. I'll let you know. Speaking of UFOs, did you end up watching Nope? Nope. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> well, maybe next time. I anyway, did it. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for listening. Yes. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on our podcast or Spotify. Um, this will really help us grow, and we appreciate you for doing all of them. And we've also just set up our social media. So we have Instagram and Twitter. Uh, feel free to go ahead and give us a follow on any of those. You can find us at Murderversary. Just one big old word, murderversary. You can also email us, uh, murderversary at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If there's anyone you want us to talk about, anything you want to share, just say Any suggestions, okay? too. We I'll would absolutely say... love them. Lastly, um, if any of you are struggling, we want you to know that you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. You can also visit murderversarypodcast.com and click on the resources tab for information where you could get help. And we're here to listen to, although we're not qualified. Definitely we, not qualified, but we're here. We can definitely listen, though. We do. We, we care. That out there. We care yeah. about each and every one of you. And um, we hope you have an absolutely amazing day. And we hope to catch you next time. Okay, I love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.